Good morning, Jeff Stevens here again, another podcast episode, playing a little set for the fall from their latest album, Judgment Day, again, I encourage you to support these guys, great band, and uh, they can definitely use your support. Hey, uh, I'll tell you what's been on my heart kind of the last few days, or the last few weeks, is just kind of the, the stress of life. And uh, the things that happen around us that we can't affect. Things that bring us to our knees, uh, begging God for um, some sort of mercy. And uh, I got to thinking uh, as I was preparing to do another uh, podcast, you know, what what do people want to hear? What are people going through? And what do they need to hear from God? And I feel like... Um, if I've been going through some stress, then there are others who also have been going through some stress and probably could use some encouragement and some biblical wisdom. Not that you can't find it on your own, but uh, as I read, uh, I think it's worth sharing this wisdom with others who may be going through some of the same things that I've been going through or my family's been going through. So, uh, here we are this morning, uh, looking through Philippians, um, specifically Philippians in chapter 4. And, you know, there's a verse in this chapter uh, that is used frequently, and people have it, like, plastered on their cars, they tattoo it on their body, they write it on the walls of their home. And really, it's kind of taken out of context, um, you know, Paul's in a real weird predicament here. Paul is about to write a, you know, a letter of exhortation and some correction and some support and some thank yous and all this stuff to, to Philippi, to this church here. And he's not doing it from a great place. He's doing it from prison. So whenever he says something that's kind of uplifting, it has to be taken in context. Um, so we look at Philippians 4, and for those of you who have been around uh, for more than a couple of days in the church, um, one of the things that Paul will talk about in this is that you can, you can do anything. And, uh, and we'll talk about that as we get to the end of the chapter here. Uh, and I want to make sure that we touch upon it specifically in its context. So um, where this thing starts in chapter 4 specifically is, is Paul coming to the people in Philippi and he's calling people brothers who he loves, his joy and his crown. So these are fellow believers, people that he's ministered to, people he's preached to, people that he knows and loves and he loves them because they're his brothers and sisters in Christ, and he's had the opportunity to minister to them, and he feels some sort of responsibility, I think, uh, not for their salvation, but for their faith, uh, as it stands that he has had um, played a role in sharing the gospel with them, and it's important to him that that is a, the role that he has played as the person who shared that, right to the point where he's 
uh, very specific in who he talks to in this, to include a couple of ladies right from the get-go, um, this Yudia uh, um, and uh, Sintiki, uh, who we don't know who they are, but there's these ladies who he brings up um, in the context of kind of strife where uh, they're believers and they are active in the church, but he just wants um, unity, and he brings this up uh, as a way of saying, hey, just get your heads together and, and work together for the glory of the gospel. And he even um, goes as far as to say, as along with Clement, uh, all these people that he's talking about who've labored with him, their names are in the book of life. So they are absolutely people who um, Paul feels are saved and have worked um, with him in spreading the gospel. Um, the point I want to get to when it comes to kind of the stress pieces or just dealing with life is, is that, uh, Paul's in prison and he writes this letter of them with a little exhortation, with a little correction. Um, and it's, it's kind of gentle, but he tells them to rejoice in the Lord always. And then he repeats it and he says, I say again, rejoice. And, you know, kind of a weird thing to say for a guy you know, the Romans weren't always very nice to everybody. He's in Roman prison. And Paul's like, hey, look, we got bigger fish to fry. I need you to rejoice. I need you to remember that everything that we have, our salvation, it comes from God. And he goes on, and this is kind of the meat of this whole thing. In verse 5, he says, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. So we should be sharing the gospel with everybody that we know and not letting the stressors of our life show in a way that people look at us as believers and say, that person is so messed up that even though they say they are faithful, they don't believe it. They don't believe it because... If they really believed what they were saying, that God could do anything, that they've got peace that surpasses understanding, that their heart is full of the Holy Spirit, then they wouldn't have all that stress in their life. Then they wouldn't have to deal with the problems everybody else does. Why do you have to deal with all these problems if you're a believer? Well, the reality is Paul's not setting aside the fact that people deal with stuff. Paul's writing from prison. Paul's looking at strife in the church. What he's saying here is you need to look past that and realize we got bigger fish to fry. We got stuff to do. There's a mission for our church. So I need you to be reasonable. I need you to do some things here. There's an action arm to all of this. Paul goes on with saying, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So he's like, pray. Pray and be thankful for what you have. Pray in everything you do, and don't be anxious about stuff. Again, this is our outward response to our inward stress, to our inward pressures, to things that are happening upon us. Now, these things, all, when I say inward, I don't mean that none of them are manifest. None of them, these things can be money, they can be dealing with your kids, they can be uh, work, they can be your spouse, they could be all kinds of things. They could just be your, your current... A situation in life that feels like it's bringing you down. It could be addiction. 
whatever those are, they affect us on the inside, right? So it's one of these things where we have to learn that how we respond on the outside is of, is of utmost importance to what we're responding to, how our pain is on the inside. Um, it goes right on to this verse that many of you have heard here. Um, the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And we say that sometimes, and I think I've definitely heard pastors preach it from the pulpit as a very uh, bold statement that all of a sudden you're supposed to get some sort of warm and fuzzy feeling. Like, hey, just let the peace that surpasses all understanding, you know, guard your heart and your mind. Which is kind of a, a really weak way of saying, hey, just go on. Jesus will take care of it all in your life. Well, you know, Jesus may not pay your bills. Jesus may not heal your sickness. Jesus may not fix your current situation with your spouse. Jesus may not take away the addiction of your child. Jesus may not uh, work in the life of somebody in your circle that you've been praying for the way that you want them to. Uh, Jesus might not fix your car. Jesus might not fix your leaky roof. There's a lot of things that, you know, he's not going to fill your bank account with money. I'm not saying he can't. I'm just saying it's probably not going to happen. So we need to be careful that we are not somehow thinking that we can plant seeds that are going to grow things out of them, out of our own physical desires. We have to be careful that we're not going to pray for things in our life to happen that don't. Uh, further the kingdom. Just asking God to fix stuff in our life is a really short-minded prayer. He does have peace that surpasses all understanding, and this is why it surpasses it. We think in the visceral, in the right now, in the today. We want comfort now. Much like Paul sitting in that prison probably thought, it'd be nice if I wasn't stuck here in Rome in this jail, writing all these letters to these people that I'd rather be out visiting. We know that, you know, Paul's intent was to move on and, and go to Spain, and he never made it there. He had probably people that he knew there, work for the church, work for Christ that he wanted to do there. Um, you know, the Holy Spirit had probably filled his heart with a desire to make it there and minister to those people. However, God had other plans for him. And he planted him in Rome in prison. And, you know, through that, letters are written. The word gets out. Paul becomes a very popular person from his position and is able to minister to literally billions of people throughout the last two millennia from that place. We need to remember that that peace, it surpasses what our brains are able to take in. Sometimes from our position of weakness, our position of, of poorness, our position of pain, our outward expression of our faith is what the people around us need to see in order to help them see how Christ is working in our lives, in our hearts, in our families, in our marriages. And that is what helps to minister to people around us. And it will bring us joy as well. The action arm of this whole thing is in verse 8, 
And I'll just read it for you is when Paul says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is holy, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What have you learned and received and heard and seen in me? Practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. So we want this peace. We don't want to be short on cash. We don't want to deal with our alcoholism. We want our marriage to be perfect. We want our kids to be perfect. We want our kids to succeed. Our action arm of this whole thing is we believe that Christ is who he said he is. We believe he did what he said he did by having that three years of ministry, dying on the cross, spending three days in the grave, rising from the grave, exposing himself to people as the risen Christ, then ascending into heaven, taking upon himself the sin of mankind, becoming the propitiation and atoning for all of our sins. We believe all that. And when we believe all that, part of the action that we do is we do the things that are honorable. We are just with the people around us. We do what is pure, what is lovely, what is commendable. And we act in a way of excellence, that means we hold ourselves to a higher standard than the people around us. Not in a pious, lofty way, but because Christ lives inside of us. The Holy One, the God of the universe, lives inside of us. And because of that, we know that there is safety in our salvation, that we will live in eternity with Him. The simple worries of today matter not. Although stressful, Although overwhelming at times, they matter not. Because in eternity, the blip of our humanity disappears into the mist. That we will have eternal salvation with him. Paul's trying to put this in perspective. This time that he's had in prison means really nothing to him. That he's able to minister to these people and share with them the joy of his salvation. He talks a little bit about God's provision. Although sitting in that prison, he's going to talk about what God has provided and does provide. And he goes on in verse 10, saying that he rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at length you have revived your concern for me. So he's talking about the church here at Philippi loving him. And I won't read every verse that comes up, but essentially... They know that he's had some trouble. They are going to share in his trouble by sending him gifts, which it's, it's not exactly sure what they are, but I'm sure there was probably monetary gifts to help him survive there. He probably needed to uh, imprison the state or the Romans probably did not do for him. So um, he utilized support of the church to eat, to live, to survive. And um, he says to them that he's received their payment and he thanks them. And he says he's well supplied um, because that offering uh, made it to him. And one of the things that he brings up in this is he says to them, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Jesus Christ, our God and Father, be glory forever and ever. Amen. This is really important because oftentimes what we think is, and this is based on them 
drop in a gift to him is that we are going to receive some sort of earthly gift as a result of the things that we do or the result of the money that we give to the church or money we give to others or if you listen to the prosperity preachers you know if you give money to the church you're somehow going to get some sort of reciprocated blessing here on earth here's the thing he is very specific here that God will supply every need of yours according to the riches in glory, riches of his glory in Jesus Christ. This comes to storing up in heaven, right? The storehouse in heaven. So this has to do with what we I just talked about a few minutes ago is that outward reaction to our inward strife. Paul's in prison. You got people in the church there, the two ladies, Clement, there's some strife. He wants everybody to be unified, spreading the gospel together, one unified word about the, um, the death and resurrection, uh, the, salving, the saving grace of Jesus Christ. He wants us to all be together in this. And the way through all these stresses, our differences, our time in prison, that we, is our purity, our outward reaction, uh, our giving, even though we might not have a lot, we give as we can. How God reciprocates these things to us is not through necessarily building you a new house, giving you a new car, fixing your addiction right away. All these things that can happen is he does it according to the riches of his glory. So what does he need for you? What does he have for you? It's eternity. It's eternal salvation. It's what happens in the next. Now, I do believe if you are wrestling with these things in your life, that part of this wrestling is we need to overcome some of these um, addictions and problems and stresses through our own thinking of the higher. So we need to consider Christ and all the things we do. And I'll say that um, we are careful about how we spend our money if we have um, difficult times financially. If we have difficult times with addiction, we are careful about where we spend our time and where we uh, spend our money. Um, if we have difficulty with kindness, we watch our words if we have problems with relationships, we consider how we care for others. So there's a lot of things that we can do on the action end that affect the outcome in, in, as it manifests itself in our life around us. We need to really be uh, very introspective in you know, the cause and effect of what happens in our lives. Not that things can't happen to people that is beyond their control. It happens every day but we need to take a lot of responsibility for what we have. So that being said, the larger part of this is what does Christ do in your life? What does Christ do in your heart? Uh, there's an expectation that here on, on earth, in our life here, that we respond in a responsible Christian manner, that we are kind and loving to people, that we are giving, that we try to seek unity, and we try to be loving of everyone around us especially our Christian brothers and sisters who we love unconditionally. And if you're anything like me, you deal with stress in ways that are, that are tough sometimes. 
and they're hard to get your head around and you just you want to scream and you want to get angry and you, you can't quite get out of, out of your own head. Um, and I'll say this, as I study this morning and I look at Philippians, I start to consider how I respond on a daily basis. How do I respond to my wife in love? How do I respond to my kids in love? Um, am I quick to apologize when I know that I have not said or done something that was uh, loving or caring? Um, and then correct that the next time I do it. If, you know, if our finances aren't right, do I need to look at things that we're doing to correct um, the way we spend uh, or the way we save? And there's a lot of things that we can physically do here that affect our spiritual well-being. Um, and I think Paul's being very clear here about the actions of the local church at Philippi. He's telling them to become unified, and he's telling them to be loving of one another. And then when we believe in him, and we understand that he has imparted his grace upon us, and he has atoned for our sins, um, he will supply every need of ours according to his riches and his glory through his Son, Jesus Christ. So I hope that helps if you're uh, dealing with any stress today. It definitely helped me to dig into Philippians this morning. It's been having a couple of months where things are not quite going the way uh, that I would want them to in a lot of ways. And uh, I try very hard to rest in the Lord and read and study and become more intimate with Him um, when I go through things in my life that I, I cannot quite get my head around. This is a practice of mine that has become better over time and was very poor as a new believer. And I think part of that is the problem of church leadership who will just kind of say and wing it out there while just lean on the Lord. Well, what does that mean? Just lean on the Lord. Nobody knows what that means if you just say it to them and it doesn't mean anything or has no meat to it. What does it mean to lean on the Lord? Well, it means utilize those outward expressions of grace towards others and kindness and watch how you speak and watch where you spend your money and believe on him. And part of believing on him is digging in on his word and getting to know him better and realizing he does have a plan for your life. He does have a plan for your soul and he does have a salvation plan for you. All of those are part of leaning on the Lord. And we need to hear those parts of the plan or else just hearing lean on the Lord means nothing to you. We need to know the action end. So that's your uh, practical exercise for the day, the week, the month. If you've got stress in your life, lean on the Lord. There you go. Dig into your Bible. Um, start acting like a Christian and uh, let the people around you see that you love them. And my encouragement for you today is to go forth and love people and stay on the grind.